So really what kept me going and pushed me forward was just this knowledge that if I listened to that inner voice, I would get to where I have to be. Episode 147. What's going on? This is Katie Kremitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from business women who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. You know I always love the stories behind great businesses. Postcard Mania started as a one-woman show and has flourished into a marketing empire. Why? Because they produce results for their clients. Small business owners, just like you and me, all over the globe who look to them for support in direct mail marketing, email marketing, Google pay-per-click, and so much more. And guess what? You can get a 1,000 free postcards today when you go to postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock. Joan Sockton is my guest today, and let me tell you, she is a very proud-to-be-in-her-70s kind of woman. She's had many different evolutions of being a businesswoman. Her most current is called Prosperity Place, and it is coaching, book writing, podcasting, and really just helping her clients with resources that can help bring a lot of peace to their lives by educating themselves about how to be financially free and just smarter overall with their finances. But what I'm going to tell you is that she's definitely not just focused on finances. I mean, this woman has a huge history of business interests, and her number one thing is that she always has to share this information of wherever her interests lie, and that has been the path of her business journey. So this interview would be especially interesting to you if you have a lot of different interests and you want to hear a story about how to follow your interests and your life's passions and just constantly evolve and be able to make businesses out of that in a way that truly brings value to people. From really learning and owning the mail order business, from having a crystal business to a coaching and a product-based business, this woman's got it all. And I'm going to tell you a secret. Wait till the very, very end because (laughs) there were a couple of really funny outtakes from one of our kind of off-air conversations that I'm putting in here because it's hilarious. So let's get rolling. Joan, what's up? I'm so glad you're here. It is time to rock it. Are you ready? Am I ever. (laughs) Let's go. Thank you so much for being here. Um, You have a tremendous story that I cannot wait for people to find out about. Um, We're going to be talking Prosperity Place and all the incredible things that you do, but I want to know where this, you know, and why um, business actually became of interest to you back in the day. You've been doing business for a long time and it's evolved many, many different faces and shapes. So what got you first interested in business at the get-go? Well, first of all, my father was an entrepreneur and and both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. Not always successful, except for my mother's father. And we never talked job in the house. And remember, I graduated from college in 1962. And so women weren't encouraged to do a whole lot of things. 
And I did get married, and that didn't work. I just didn't like the, the path that had been set out for me. And I taught first grade for a year and then had nightmares that I had to do that again. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm not definitely not supposed to work with kids. And someone came to my house to sell me a set of great books of the Western world. And I wound up selling them and becoming a district sales manager. It's a division of Britannica. And I loved selling door to door to people in their homes and businesses. And so I've always had that self-starter kind of thing. And so when I, when I got divorced and I, then there was a second one, I wound up working in Hollywood, uh, producing a radio show for a couple of years and then working for the Joey Bishop show, which was opposite Johnny Carson. It yeah. was a late night show. Yeah. I, I used to, Okay, so that was the only real job I had, and I can hardly call that a job. And so being in business for myself was a logical step. And then I got really sick, and I was sick for a long time and couldn't imagine ever going back to work. So I started studying mail order because I figured I had to do something from the house. So I read all these books on how to write direct response copy and how to uh, mail out 32 million pieces at a time. And I just learned the mail order business. Wow. And, and so I had that as my base. And I, I started uh, collecting addresses because we didn't have email addresses in those days. And the first thing I did, I went to this series that this uh, Swami gave in uh, Los Angeles, and I loved what he had to say. It was the something about creative fulfillment, and I wrote up the notes, and I sent them out to everybody I knew. I was just really interested in sharing what I know. So did I think about being in business? No, it just happened. It just kind of evolved into that. And and once I once I was started getting healthy enough to think about doing something, then, you know, I, after I gave everything I owned away and went wandering, <laughs> it's a long story, um, I, I started the crystal business that I had for, for almost 10 years. And as I said, I never thought it was going to be a big business. It just evolved into that. So when you, I mean, you really had a lot of practice with the mail order business in order to kind of do this crystal business. How long did you have the crystal business? And just do a quick explanation as to what that that thing was. Well, the crystal business, and I started it in, well, started actually selling crystals and minerals in 1977 after I had this vision that I had to go buy a pound of tumbled stones and I called them cosmic rocks and and it just evolved into this business that uh, where I had a line of stones called Jones Stones that were in 600 stores. And I was mailing out uh, uh, 50,000 catalogs at a time. It started slower than that and it built up to that. And because I had this vision in my head that I was going to be mailing millions of copies. Remember, there was no Internet. Right. And and I had no business training, and I really didn't know how to manage cash flow. Uh, even though I was bringing in, in today's money, about $50,000 a month, I wound up going bankrupt because I had no idea how to manage cash flow, which is one of the reasons I do the work that I do now. Wow. 
What can you describe like a painful moment that you had of that? I mean, I, going out of business is not just a one moment thing. There's like so many things that pre- precipitate that. Like, what was one of those moments when you're like, oh, crap, this sucks, you know, <laughs> it was it, it was not a moment. It was. <laughs> and, and because as as this was all going on, my father died. Oh. So. I and and there was no way I had didn't have enough of an emotional background or vocabulary to be able to adequately express my grief about my father with whom I had a somewhat contentious relationship and so it was easier to express the grief through my business than it was about him and it was uh, quite a lot of years where heavy heart, didn't know what to do. And remember, there there was no internet. There was no place to go and, and have a support group. There were no coaches that were available then. And it's like when I, I saw that things were falling apart, I went to the bank and who had been lending me money. And they thought it was cute that this woman was making all this money selling crystals. They just couldn't relate to it. And And I finally you know, got someone to come in and he sat there crunching the numbers and I I kept good track of my numbers. I just didn't know how to manage the cash flow. And he said to me, I have to borrow more money from friends and family. And I said, that's not my story. And that moment when I realized that I had to close the business was was very difficult. I moved everything into uh, the garage and the place where I was living and I, I kept mailing out catalogs, a couple of thousand of them just to bring some cash in. But it was very difficult because I didn't understand what was going on and I didn't have the kind of support that I needed to get through it. You know, Joan, I really appreciate you talking about that stuff because so, I mean, every single conversation that I have with every guest on this show and every businesswoman I've ever spoken to, you know, this idea of um, bankrupt and the business ending almost is this elusive, like, we don't even want to talk about it. That's not even an option. We just keep on going. And we always have this positive self-talk about you just keep going, keep going. And there are definitely times when business fails and business goes through bankruptcy. And um, how, what kind of things did you have to go through emotionally to really deal with that process because one of the things I absolutely want to identify by the end of this conversation is that bankruptcy or business ending is not the end of the story and and this you are living proof of that so in that moment what kind of what kind of stuff did you have to do for yourself to go through that process of going through bankruptcy feeling like a failure and and feeling like okay there's more something something else needs to happen well I did have enough sense to go to some 12-step groups. <laughs> uh, Codependence Anonymous was really helpful, as was Debtors Anonymous. And I went to therapy. But also, remember, I wasn't healthy physically or emotionally yet. So it was like I was dragging myself along. And I don't know where I get this desire to move forward. There's something in me that just doesn't give up. I've had a number of doctors say to me, you should have died a long time ago. And to get to the point of health that I'm at now is pretty amazing because I I just don't give up. And I think that there's something that has to happen internally, even though it was painful. I, I began to see that as part of the healing of the bankruptcy, 
that I was healing a lot of the emotional dysfunction that was part of me up until that point. And that by dealing with that, I somehow had the idea that I was going to come out of it very much stronger. I knew that I had the potential to make good money because in one year I had brought in, uh, in, in today's money, $500,000. And that was before the internet. So I knew I had the potential. And I began to focus on healing my physical and emotional self so that I could be strong enough to do whatever had to be done. The problem was I wasn't finding much help for the physical, for the physical healing. Then, I mean, one day I woke up and I heard you're moving to New Mexico and just heard the voice in my head. And that was a voice I had come to trust. And I thought, what the heck would I want to do in New Mexico? Uh, because I, I had been here once with my mother, had altitude sickness the entire time. And, and, I didn't have a good experience there, right? No, it wasn't exactly my dream place. But I got here and six months later wound up at the one hospital that is in Santa Fe. So they had to take me even though I had no insurance. And they fixed my stomach. I was there for a month. And my stomach, which had been the core of my problems for so many years, was fixed. And I saw I wasn't going to die. And that was the beginning of my healing. So really what kept me going and pushed me forward was just this knowledge that if I listened to that inner voice, I would get to where I have to be. Mm. And, and during the, remember I said I had given everything I owned away and I went wandering and I actually kept a, a day at a glance diary during those 10 years. So, because I knew I was in the middle of an interesting story. And I just learned how to trust life on a level that most people never get to trust in. So that I can be where I am now and never worry about anything. If the money goes up, goes down, it doesn't matter. I'm just where I am. And to me, that's the most valuable thing I've learned. Are you using LinkedIn? Okay, let me ask that another way. Are you really using LinkedIn in a way that truly produces results for your business, like big time? Well, if you're anything like me and so many other businesswomen out there, you probably have a LinkedIn profile set up, but may not really do a lot with it. Or if you're actually on LinkedIn and you're active, perhaps you're not getting the results that you need. That's why you have got to know about LinkedIn Focus. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Niall Nickel, the founder of LinkedIn Focus, so you can see how using the right tools with the right platform can be explosive for your business. So what I love about LinkedIn Focus is that it shoves aside the 8,000 messages that you have about LinkedIn and all these strategies on how to use LinkedIn. It shoves all that aside and gets down dirty right to the point on what works, what doesn't and how you can really apply it to your business to produce results. It, it absolutely does. I mean, at the bottom of the day, it's a tool. You could get really excited because you get really massive results very quickly. LinkedIn Focus is where I really try to help uh, business and individuals leverage the power of LinkedIn for their goals. If you are not getting business from LinkedIn, then LinkedIn Focus is a must. Just go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR.
that brings us up to you actually starting Prosperity Place. Can you talk a little bit about getting back into the business world, what you what Prosperity Place ended up starting out being, and then we're definitely going to get into the story of it. Okay, so it started out, well, I, I got onto the internet in 1995. You realize there wasn't much internet <laughs> in 95. That was the infancy years. <laughs> I bought a, I said to my mother, if I have a, a, a computer, I can make a living. So I got this computer that, that had a little thing for AOL and I pushed the button and I said, this is the future. I could see that, that this was the mail order business of the future. And I actually had my mother get out a, a bank loan for me so I could sit and just learn the internet. And this was in 1995. I had my first website by August of that year. And I called it Resources for Living because I was really interested in teaching people how to heal about the minerals. And I've got a whole background of stuff that I'm interested in. And while I was in the hospital that I mentioned, I got a letter, a lawyer's letter, saying that I was stepping on someone's trademark and I had to tra- change the name of my website. And I thought, well, what do people want? They want a better sex life, better relationships, and more money. So I said, let's focus on the money. And <laughs> Life would have been very different if you would have focused on the sex part. <laughs> It was not my field of expertise. I had two failed marriages. That was a messy story. Remember, I was I was brought up in the fifties. <laughs> okay, so you focused on money. <laughs> so I focused on money. Uh, let's stick with that story. And and I called the prosperity place. I had already already written a book called. I've written, already written two books. One was called Starting Your Own Business, an easy-to-follow guide for the new entrepreneur. And the other one was called Prosperity is an Inside Job. So that seemed like the logical thing for me. And while I was building it up, I was also building websites. So that I, because that allowed me to bring in money in big chunks, whereas with Prosperity Place, I wasn't sure how I was going to make money. There were no shopping carts. There was no PayPal. There was People had to fill out a, a form and mail it in or send it in. And then I had a, I mean, it was just so clumsy. And so I had both going at the same time. And Prosperity Place was sort of like the hobby at the time. And I just like to share what I know. So I just kept writing. I had a, a, a my first newsletter was called The E-Commerce Advisor. And, and then I wound up selling e- the e-commerce advisor. And I forget what my web, there was a, another website at the time. I forget, I sold something. And, and then I started concentrating on Prosperity Place. So it, it evolved. As I said, it, I kind of let things evolve and I do what's in front of me. So what is Prosperity Place now? Give us give us a whole run through of what you do, what is your business model, so that we have a very clear picture before we dig in deep. Okay. Uh, my business model is I like to talk. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the goal is to find a way of making money talking. And, and that can take many forms. And so I do a podcast, and I do coaching, and I do webinars, and I like to talk, so whatever it takes, so I can keep talking. 
and I like to write. So I write a lot of stuff and I talk a lot. And the business model, it, remember, it's a solo business. Uh, I'm very much in touch with my numbers. And so I can say, I can see where my money's coming from. And like when I decided not to do the web development anymore, I saw that I had to replace 40% of my gross. And, and I saw that I wanted to do that over a particular period of time, which I did. And I usually have a, a goal, some kind of financial goal. And I think of the strategies. Now I'm getting ready to do a major launch. Uh, I, did, I had a program called uh, Peace of Mind and Prosperity that I ran for four years. So that was a membership site. And I want to take, I'm, I'm taking the material and kind of uh, punching it up and doing something new with it and calling it the Freedom from Financial Struggle Program. And so I'll be launching that. And I like the idea of launches. And so I've got this wonderful young man who worked for Infusionsoft for God knows how long, and he really knows how to set, set up campaigns. And so I'm doing that now. So when people say, what is your business model and what is your vision for the future? And I, I don't even know how to answer that stuff because it's like I, I just keep putting one foot in front of the other with the faith that I'm going to get to a better place, always get to a better place than I am now because we live in this expanding universe. I might as, expand, as well expand with it. And I don't, I don't get held on to goals that I have to reach them and... My only goal is that I be peaceful, that I get to dog park every day at around 4 o'clock and get to be in the outdoors and that I don't turn my computer on on Sundays. And life has been good to me. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to I dig into each of those pockets because um, there's a – there. you know, <laughs> even though you may not have like, okay, this kind of formal structure for how you're – how like, you know, major mass goal setting moving forward, there's it, there is a method to your madness. And it definitely takes some intelligence to be able to work all these things behind the scenes. So I, I want to dig into each of those pockets a little bit. So one of the things that um, you I know you have clients that you work with, um, and help them sort of with prosperity attitudes and actually getting to financial goals that they want to get to. One of the one of the biggest questions I have is what has been one of your most challenging clients that you've worked with and how have you dealt with that situation? That that's an interesting question cuz I don't at this point I'm trying to think of a challenging client the ones who had the potential to be challenging usually decide we usually decide together that we don't want to work together anymore. Because people have to be really willing to make internal changes in order to work with me. In other words, I, I can't just give them a formula and say, here's what you're going to do. Uh, I'd say that, you know, in thinking about one of my more challenging ones is an older guy um, who is just really having a hard time giving up his shame. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and when you have shame as one of your motivating emotions, it's hard to move forward unless you're willing to give that up, unless you're willing to say, I'm really okay. And just because my mother did this and my father did that, 
I can get beyond that. And I do find that the older a person is, often the harder it is for them to change. Now, I'm in my 70s, and I have no problem changing. So it's not a, <laughs> an absolute rule. I mean, I can shift on a dime. I mean, it's no problem at all. But for some people, particularly when they are very involved in a family structure, when there's a long-term relationship, because if, if someone is shame-based and they're in a relationship, giving up the shame means changing the whole dynamic of the relationship. And, and that's scary. So... So what did uh, I, that fallout of that of that client end up looking like? And I'm, it, you know, I'm not looking for a dramatic answer. I'm just asking because there are plenty of women listening who deal with clients, and there's a point at which they realize, like, eh, this is kind of going sour, or it's not really in line with what they're wanting or what I'm wanting. How did you How did you deal with that in that particular instance? Well, we're still we're still working together. Um, I, in other words, I he had something happen, of course, and we could feel ashamed. And I said, okay, so let's. Let's work once a month for a while. And I'm not giving up on him. And I just sent him a, a energized stone to carry around in his pocket so he could realize I'm with him. I'm trying to do a little hocus pocus. It wouldn't hurt. And, and we're still working together. But if it's really uncomfortable, uh, and which I can usually tell when I do the pre-coaching interview, when I... I don't, I don't want to just work with anybody. I, and, and sometimes I tell them I think they need therapy because they're, 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 I mean, if they want me to fix it, I, I can't. They have to be willing to fix it. I remember a woman called me once and she said, well, are you a millionaire? And I said, no. She said, well, I don't want to work with you. And I said, fine. You know, it's, wow. I, I mean, I'm looking for a match. And the people who do come to work with me have usually listened to my podcast they read some of my material, and they just have this inner thing that they know they have to work with me. I don't have a huge number of people at any one time. I don't want to because I like to do this other stuff. Like this launch has taken up a lot of time to put together. Right. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm doing the video myself. It's going to be a, a rather creative. And I, I, that's how I want to spend my time because... I'm where I am in life. I don't have kids I have to worry about. I don't have a partner. I, I mean, it's I'm I'm playing in my life. So uh, I don't want to work with people who want to make my life difficult. I love that. Okay, so now let's go into your podcast. How long have you been podcasting? Well, I did my first podcast from 2005 to 2007. Wow! I did like over 80 episodes. I stopped the month the iPhone came out. Oh, come on. <laughs> bad timing, bad timing. <laughs> so I, I was kind of done with it. And so this one, I, I'm up to episode 70, and I do once a week. So it's uh, well over a year. Go into a little bit about how podcasting um, has built your audience, has built your name. Like, what has it done for your business? Well, I really look at what is done for me. And I'm a person who needs to talk. Not only likes to talk, needs to talk. I need to share what I know. That's just the core of who I am. And so it gives me a way of sharing what I want to share. Also, once I started doing interviews, the first time I would just talk for 15 minutes. 
Now I do a lot of interviews. Every once in a while, I do one where I talk for 15 minutes. And it's allowed me to connect to people who I wouldn't normally have connected to, both as a host and as a guest. So for me, the podcasting piece is not just the shows that I do. It's the shows I'm going on. And as a result of the shows I'm going on, I've gotten much more confident because I'm seeing ideas that I've had for 30 years and weren't exactly embraced. People are now going, wow, that's really interesting. And we can handle that. And, and so I'm seeing myself in a whole different way. And I would never have done the launch if I didn't have this new level of confidence. Mm. So can you measure that? Is it, is it changing my business? Yes. Can I tell you exactly how? No. Uh, it's definitely increasing my platform. When I see how many, how many uh, downloads I'm getting now compared to when I started, I mean, that keeps going up. And, you know, if you do a, if you Google Joan Sotkin, I'm the only Joan Sotkin in the entire world. <laughs> and there, the last time I looked, there were 43 pages of results. And it's because I've been online for so long. Right. I mean, I've got this presence. And yet, I don't get a whole lot of search engine traffic because people aren't really looking for what I do. And I see that a lot of the people who are high-level internet marketers don't focus on search engine optimization. It's really a matter of relationships. So for me, the podcast is only part of the equation. I now do social media and I have a newsletter. So to me, the, I can't tell you how the podcast alone has done anything because I think it's an integrated approach. Right. Now, talk a little bit about your launch. What you know, You're launching this product. Um, t- walk us through a few of the things that you've experienced through the launch uh, and preparing for the launch that you know maybe have surprised you or just have been notable in the sense that you know they've definitely made you dig in a little bit more or, or help you know organize you a, a little bit more. Walk us through a few of those things. Well, one of the things I've noticed when when you have faith that it's all going to work out okay is that what you need shows up. Okay, so I knew I couldn't do the launch myself unless I had someone who really knew what they were doing uh, to help me with the Infusionsoft piece. And so I found that person. A friend of mine suggested that I contacted him, that I contact him, and he's building out the whole process for me. I read uh, uh, Jeff Walker's book called Launch, and I'm following his <laughs> protocol. The thing that I was surprised at, I had bought this software called Video Maker FX, and I thought it would be relatively easy to put the videos together because I don't want to stand in front of the camera and talk for, for 30 minutes, which I find boring. And I didn't want to just use a PowerPoint presentation, which can get really boring. So this Video Maker FX lets you use cartoons and, and words popping up and down and in and out and <laughs> a lot of movement. I like making videos of things moving quickly across the state, <laughs> across the screen. So, because I produced video, I mean, that's what I did. So I, I like, and I worked on the network level. So where things change every two seconds. So it, it's taken me a lot longer to put the videos together than I thought. But I, I just have to give myself the time to do it. 
One of the things I really want to circle back to, um, just as far as like big business lessons that you've learned over the many, many faces that business has has taken for you, um, you mentioned in the very beginning that you didn't understand cash flow, and now you understand cash flow. What is one of the big lessons that you can share of how to really manage cash flow and how powerful that can be? Okay. It's like a lot of times I talk to entrepreneurs and I say cash flow management and they just cringe. <laughs> and and I hear things like, well, I'm not good with numbers. Well, these days you don't have to be good with numbers. The software does it all. You have to be good at data entry or you have to import it from your bank. If if you're Marcus Lemonis, who, who I love, he does the profit on yes. CNBC. I love him, and, and he says over and over again, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. When he goes into these businesses to save them, it's always about the numbers. When you listen to Shark Tank, my other favorite program, and it's always about what are your mar- margins, what are your profits, how much, and and it's all about the numbers. And now. I was really uh, right brain. When I sat and meditated for five years and I came back, I could barely focus on what was going on on the earth plane. And I wound up getting my pilot's license so I could activate my, my, my left brain. I didn't know that's why I was doing it, but it got me back in touch with numbers and calculations. And if you don't pay attention to your numbers, you cannot strategize as to what you do next. It's like when I said I saw that I had to replace 40% of my income, that was because I knew from my QuickBooks printouts that 40% of my income was coming from website development. So you, you can't do strategies unless you can say, okay, this is what I have today, this is what I expect to have tomorrow, and this is what I need tomorrow. I'm reading the book called Profit Now. And, and he talks about how, how to set it up so that you're focusing on profit, not on gross. Because when people say, I have a, a $10 million business, that's their gross. That's not how much they have left over. Right. That's not how much they're getting paid. Right. And so he's got a different kind of, of equation there. And I don't think you can learn how to do the numbers thing right away. And it helps to have someone who shows you how to use the software. I know when I work with clients now, I use GoToMeeting and, and we share screens and they show me what they're doing and whatever software they choose to use. And I show them how to set up the categories because at the end of the month, you have to see where your money went so that you can plan for the next month. And I did this thing. And if your audience is interested, they just have to go to prosperityplace.com slash spreadsheet and I did I have this video I put together and this ugly spreadsheet <laughs> the video is called Jones Ugly Spreadsheet and how to use it. Um, <laughs> it's it's a spreadsheet that I put together a long time ago that shows me in one screen what my monthly expenses are, what I need on a monthly basis and the date they're due, and how much is coming in, how much I have on hand, and how much is left over? And I know that at the beginning of the month, I need a certain amount of money left over. And if I don't, I better find another way to bring in the money or decide what not to pay. I mean, it's, it's a matter of shuffling the money around the board. And once you pay attention to your earning and you see what your expenses actually are, not what you, they, you think they are in your head, 
and you're paying attention to your money not by just going to your bank balance online every day because that's just checking to see if you bounced something or not. And so once you know what, what, what you need and you see what's coming in and you, you can adjust your spending and make decisions as to what you're going to invest in the business. Right. Yeah, I love that. Joan, to, to wrap things up here, um, you have had so many different aspects of your business. You have evolved so many different times. You're constantly reinventing, really led. What I'm getting out of this is that you really lead by your interests, your soul, what's important to you, and then you just turn around and share it with people. And the people who are in that same space with you and want to know that information are really who connect with you. So what um, what do you want your legacy to be after all of these years, after all these different phases of business? I find that that question kind of funny too. Legacy? Yeah, <laughs> legacy? what do you want people to remember you for? <laughs> that I was a peaceful person. Um, what I'd love to do is help people become peaceful. Uh, all I ask of life is that it be interesting. So I want to be an interesting person. Uh, and I hope that I've added something to some people's lives. I really love the fact that, that people from my book, Build Your Money Muscles, they tell me their, their lives changed. I love that. And whatever little piece of life that I can affect, that's plenty for me. Mm. Well, we're going to have all of the links for all the resources that you talked about, not only directly to your website, but also to the to the link for the ugly spreadsheet, <laughs> as well <laughs> as a link to some of the books that you had mentioned, which I think are great resources. We're going to have all that in the show notes uh, for you guys to go ahead and download and, and uh, link directly to. So Joan, I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story and being on the show. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. you can go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 147 to go see the show notes for this conversation that will have obviously some super cool quotes that I got out of this as well as all the great resources she talked about a couple of the different books and a direct link to not only her product that she just launched but um but to her website so you can check out more about what she's all about okay so for me the obvious thing in there was that she did not let uh, she didn't let anything define who she was going to be as a businesswoman. And I felt like that was so liberating. And I hope that you really, you know, dug into that and saw that very clearly because, you know, she went bankrupt. You know, she kind of is moving from one interest to another. And she's never letting herself get pigeonholed into what she should do or what other people think she should do. If you heard her comment that she said multiple times, she's like, that's not my story. So she was very clear on who she is. Um, even though that keeps changing and keeps evolving and just stays true to what she does, which is whatever I'm interested in, I'm going to learn it, I'm going to share it, and I'm going to help others, which I just thought was amazing. So that is the business model. Like it doesn't matter that she does this podcast and then she has coaching over here and she's had this crystal business. That is her business model. I, I learn my interests in depth and then I share it, which I just loved. So hope you love that too. I would love to hear what you got out of this conversation. If there was something that really rang true for you um, and really just kind of opened your eyes or lit a fire in you, go to bizwomenrock.com. Go to to the show notes page and put a comment in there. I would love to hear it, okay? I hope you have an incredible day and I'll uh, see you on the next episode. Oh, and don't forget to listen to the outtakes. Um, I don't go on a straight line. Um, <laughs> do, do any of us? Yeah. 
Yeah. Hold on one second. I've got to put my dog's humping pillow in the other room. She's. (laughs) (laughs) Can I please put that in the bloopers afterwards? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, there you go.